This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? It's good. It's good. I'm excited to be here because today we're going to talk about my namesake, the immortal Landru. Yes. Whether he's a computer or a scientist, he's he's the coolest dude around. And I'm excited to share a name with him, and I'm excited that uh, uh, today we get to talk about his amazing hair in the original series episode, Return of the Archons. Yeah, we're doing a commentary. We haven't done one of these in a while. No, no, it's been a while. I forget how it works. How does it work? Well, we uh, start with having the episode paused at zero on the counter. Uh, you can choose whichever version of the episode you'd like, as long as it's not like the edited for television syndicated version. Um, but you can choose the one with the original effects, effects, or the ones with the new effects, or the, you know, Netflix, DVD, Blu-ray, whatever. Mm-hmm. It'll all work. CBS All Access. Yeah. If you're already getting in on that. Yeah. In preparation for the new series, maybe you're gonna like promote it internally by like watching all of star trek again on their app mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i wonder what versions they have and what like what version of next generation they have i'm guessing they have the hd version of next gen but uh i don't know about i wonder if it's the fixed version that was on netflix questions probably, probably. questions that need answers it's probably the fixed version yeah but regardless of that we will give a countdown and then you can start it up with us simultaneously, or you don't have to watch the episode with us. We'll make it general enough that you can figure out what we're talking about if you've seen the episode before. I, I hope you've seen the episode, because I'm going to be talking about Landrew's hair. Yeah, yeah. Well, spoiling the episode, for sure. You know. <laughs> so, if you're ready... I'm ready. Okay, we can start it up in three, two, one, start. Hey, it's... Uh... Mayberry. Yeah. And they're running like crazy because uh, they're being chased by unknown They've got people. cool tricorn hats. Mm-hmm. Like this is this this episode is another mix of well, we've got all these uh costumes. Mm-hmm. Uh so let's what can we do? We can run around in the backyard here and uh we can wear these silly hats and these silly pants. Wow, this is a rare occurrence. It's it's only 4.41 p.m. Central Time, and yet my cat is currently doing, very appropriately enough, what we commonly refer to in this house as Red Hour, <laughs> where he gets all excited and starts running around the place like crazy, jumping up on the chair and then trying to get into the window, now he just ran past me. You probably heard that, um, and it's we we it usually happens, you know, around like one a.m. or two a.m. or something, you know. But here he is doing it right now. My cat's being crazy too, wow. right now. It's red hour, I guess. I guess very Worldwide. appropriately enough. Wow, our cats are excited. Hopefully, you are too. <laughs> So Sulu got zapped by yeah. the the lawgiver's zapper, which in this case immediately like reforms him. Spoilers for later in the episode, they have a big machine for that. But but I guess uh, that, Sulu's totally taken over. I guess they have like a you know remote control version, something. I don't know. I don't know. So Sulu's babbling on about Archons and Landru and other awesome words. <laughs> Everything gets weirdly out of focus when they move. 
cinematography is not very good this episode. No, I think the cinematography is okay here. Yeah. So everybody's really concerned about Sulu, who gets a lot to do. Takei normally doesn't have a lot to do. And here uh, in this opener, I think he's done more in this episode than he did throughout the whole first season. Well, he does the the opening thing, right? But then he kind of disappears, right? Right. And I then mean, at, at the, they were just like, we've got him for a day. Let's. Well, at the end of the episode, he comes back in the most amazing fashion where they're like, how's Sulu? And then Scotty's like, Sulu's okay. And then it pans over to Sulu and he just kind of shrugs like, hey, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and then sits down, you know? I love that. That's one of my favorite moments in all of Star Trek. I'll see if I can't uh, make that the cover image. <laughs> He's just like, yep, I'm good. Let me just sit down back in my station here. It's almost um, like he's like accepting a round of applause or something. <laughs> was he confused? Was this not shot before live studio audience? I don't know. It's strange. Is that why there's so many pauses? Uh, you know, when people enter a room, they just stop talking for a couple minutes and then... I guess not. Season one, we got truncated opening credits there. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the remastered on Netflix, so I get one big, long shot, beauty shot of the Enterprise while Kirk is talking. I think you have three. Yeah, oh, well, no, I get another shot. There's the, the one shot, uh, which is like from right behind, like even with the nacelles, and then there's the second shot where they're approaching the planet and then they do the reverse and then they do the standard left to right wow. fly it's been a while since i watched this remastered like there was a cool shot like a close-up of the enterprise and as the and the camera was standing still and as the enterprise passed by the camera started pushing in on the planet mm -hmm. and you could see the city oh cool so here they are in their disguise which is something around i guess colonial america or something it kind of like looks like what everybody else is wearing in Spectre of the Gun. Yeah. So they all got their, uh, I think, are those all bolo ties or bolo ties special ones? They've got cheap looking ribbon ties. Yeah. Everybody's walking around like zombies. Mm -hmm. Not like flesh-eating zombies, just mindless. Yeah. Deliberate steps. Everybody and talks weird. Now they're talking about the uh, the festival, which I know that we've debated like how often the festival occurs or whatever, because mm -hmm. they never say it inside the episode, right? right? But um, you know, I was I was looking through um, doing some some research, I guess, on looking at these are the voyages, and in an earlier draft, at least uh, they say something like uh you know oh that's okay don't worry it's over until next year you know so apparently mm -hmm. this is a yearly thing yeah i read that the novelization is the same thing yeah so it's like this is you know they just happen to come at just the right time right or just, just the, wrong the right time. time for it to be dangerous like literally like not even like that day but like like two minutes before <laughs> this happens and now everyone goes crazy for a whole night but they call it the red hour yeah yeah it's it, it is very similar to the purge now you know i know this was before the purge but yeah, yesterday yeah. I uh, I put in a, a Blu-ray and they had a trailer for The Purge before it. And it's like, wow, yeah, it's the exact same plot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Spoilers for The Purge? I don't know. No, I mean, the prem I, I've, ne <laughs> I've never actually seen The Purge. But the premise oh, yeah. is basically like, you know, it's the near future and society has calmed down a bit. But in order to sort of get everyone's, you know aggressions out there's one night a year where for like six hours or something like that you can do whatever you want there is no law mm -hmm. so that's that's what that is yeah. 
I do feel bad for this town. Like I'm cl- I hope that it's a year apart because they Where did they get all those bricks? Yeah. Did they like tear down a building at six o'clock and just have bricks to throw at everybody? I guess so. Maybe they have a brick manufacturer nearby <laughs> just for the festival. Mm-hmm. Get your festival bricks here. Get your festival bricks. They bounce off people's heads. They don't get hurt none. It's great. So so in the valley, people like come to the city for the festival. I guess people look forward to it, huh? Some people? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, some people seem to be going crazy and other people seem to be more promiscuous. So I imagine that it might be like a, like a tourist kind of thing. Like, you know, maybe come come to this come to the city and get lucky. It's a strange, rather dense mythology which doesn't make complete sense. You know, like okay, there's these guys and they're not affected by it really. It's like the younger people, but like this guy's daughter clearly doesn't want to be there, but she has to be because it's part of the festival or it's, it's you know, the, the, the word of Landrew. Or, I mean, you know, but like these guys are old, so then they're not allowed to, to do this anymore. Like they're exempt or something. Yeah. And they they seem to be thinking freely, you know, are they not of the body or what's going on? I don't know. It's all convenient. Like it's some kind of 60s TV show. And that's one of my favorite things when he when he turned on the light, mm-hmm. you know, he just turns up this little flame and then half a second later all the studio lights come on. Yeah. They they that happens a couple times in some of the Indiana Jones movies, like when yeah. he's in the caves. That bothers me. <laughs> Kirk doesn't care. Kirk doesn't care about anything. He's just like, I'm the closest to cover that I'm going to give. He's kind of like James Bond. He'll mm-hmm. wear the outfit that, you know, so he'll kind of blend in. But if you ask him who he is, he's not going to give you a cover or anything. Yeah, I'm yeah. a starship captain. What? No, I mean, uh, <laughs> that I'll never get. James That's Bond that. never has a cover. He's He's always just like, hey, James Bond. Well, like they deal think- with that in Casino Royale. You not know? really. I mean, he says like, "Look, you know, my like our cover is not going to do anything. He already knows who we are. If if we if he's someone right, that we that need to worry about, right? That one time, but when he's like meeting Goldfinger and stuff, no, oh, no, yeah. he's like, hey, i 'I'm James Bond, the spy. No, different James Bond.' <laughs> but theoretically, I mean, you wouldn't know who James Bond was unless you're that connected, right? Right. Which the bad guys that you're trying to go undercover to find would know." I guess so. Yeah. Well, Goldfinger was beaten by this James Bond guy. You know, maybe we should pass this around to Blowfield. Mm-hmm. So, so you picked this episode um, for, I mean, I guess some obvious reasons, um, <laughs> mainly the Landrew thing. But is it that you're a big fan of Landrew, or is it just that you were like, that's a, a good name for me? Well, the the Landrew thing came from Chris. Uh huh. He uh, just started calling me Landrew, like, I think, like, my second episode on, uh, on the uh, Ready Room. So, and it just kind of stuck. I like it. I've used it as a screen name in a couple places where 005 was already taken. Uh, spelled with an E-W, for those who who don't know. Just like my name. It, it works. Uh, no, I was never really a big fan of this episode before. The okay. network or anything like that. But are you now? Not really. I kind of just picked <laughs> it because I wanted to talk about Landrew before we uh before we closed out. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so they r- remember everything that they did. Because mm-hmm. she doesn't seem very happy about whatever happened out there. This is like... I you know I don't know I I'm a, I'm a little slow on the uptake here. It only took me twenty years to 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 realize this, but I mean yes, this episode is you know totally all about. Well, I think if you look at the time, communism, you know, it makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. uh, of the body, the one body, and how you know if we're if everyone is the same, then you can't grow as a society and everything like that. 
and it's it's also about you know like uh the the dangers of of uh technology and becoming reliant on technology you know and and how like <laughs> if our computers break our life is just destroyed and we do not know how to function anymore you know which you know i can totally see that here and see it you know in today's society he totally called that thing right but mm-hmm. on top of all that it is very very obviously an indictment of organized religion hmm like i mean it's not even like subtle like it's a false god who you know is controlling these people like the, you've got these lawgivers or whatever they're controlling these people and making them do things where they don't even know why they're doing them anymore. They're just doing them because this thing, Landrew, is telling them to do this stuff. And, you know, everyone's like, you know, just sort of like so it's become part of their society so much that, you know, they, they've, they've sort of like lost the, the, the reasoning behind it, you know? Like even hmm. to the point of it's like, Landrew is a guy who his intentions were good back 6,000 years ago, but now it's gotten to the point where, you know, people are, are, are doing this because of something that doesn't apply to their society anymore. And there's a 6,000 year old computer, you know, AKA the Bible, which is, you know, controlling these people's lives. And even it doesn't know why, you know? Huh. I mean, and and you look at it, it's like this was a story which was written by Gene Roddenberry. Like we've talked about some of the other things which he's, you know, either did or tried to do, like the God thing and everything like that is very clear that, you know, I mean, Branham Braga gave a whole lecture about how, you know, Star Trek is, you know, the great atheist mythology and everything like that. This is built into the show. And it's like, it's like so obvious, like I'm, I'm sitting here watching it yesterday and I'm like... How did I not how did I not see this? And more <laughs> importantly, how did the network not see this? You know? Yeah, I feel I mean, stupid. <laughs> it's like it's it's just I mean, they don't even they don't even hide it. They're like it's a deity of, which isn't real and you know, we're going to take it down. And then, you know, at the end of the thing, sort of like the lesson is, you know, they destroy Landrew and they're like, "Well, we don't know what to do anymore." Because this was our whole, you know, everything that Landrew, the way that we lived our lives was all through what Landrew is saying. And now Landrew is gone, so we don't know what to do. And Kirk is like, you'll figure it out. You've got to think for yourselves now, you know? I mean, that's, that's, I mean, and it's it's just, like, they don't even hide it. It's just there. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know how I did not pick up on that like 20 years ago. Yeah, our listeners are probably yelling at their cars. What on <laughs> earth? How did you not see this? But I like, did not I, see this either. This is, you blew my mind, man. And then I started because I'm like, am I really this dumb? You know, so <laughs> the first I looked in These Are the Voyages to see if, you know, because I thought for sure there'd be like yeah, network notes. Yeah, did we notes. miss that somehow? And no, they're all talking about like, oh, this is great because it's all about communism, you know, which I'm sure it was to to a large extent, you know. And, but then like, you know, I did it like a search online and there are a lot of people who, you know, have talked about it. You know, a lot of people who are uh, both praise this episode for that message and are also very critical of this episode for that message. Um, but I just thought that was like, I mean, it's just like. How did I not? It's it's like in every frame, every sentence of this thing. Uh, I guess we need to watch these episodes. You know what we should do is we should watch the series again, and then we could do another hundred and ten episodes on all the things that we didn't pick up on the first fifteen times we watched them. Nope. <laughs> so. All right. They're pretending to be of the body. Yeah. Walking through their thing. I like how, you know, even though they're actors, right? Like they're acting badly at this. It's like in <laughs> Shaun of the Dead when they're pretending to be zombies, you know? Yeah. Where like all the extras have it down. Like, you know, they know exactly how to move and everything like that. But these guys, 
like they're just off a little bit. They're like trying, but at the same time, you can tell they're not very good at it. You know, I like that. They're good at acting badly. Mm-hmm. I like. So Landru, they get absorbed and then he can control them. And like can see through them and stuff. Yeah. Very interesting. Which is weird because is he seeing through Sulu now or is Sulu like out of out of range, maybe? Out of range, hmm. yeah. Because you'd figure he wasn't they wouldn't need to I mean how strong of a Wi Fi signal does Landrew have? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the best. They got he's got the best. Oh that Landrew. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I I know your Wi-Fi is decent, right? You're you're watching this over Wi-Fi right, right now, right? Yeah. I'm recording and I guess Jessica's plugged in downstairs, but Yeah, you got you got a pretty good Wi-Fi signal going. Yeah. yeah. Certainly on par with this Landrew. No, I can't see through. I could see through all my devices if I really wanted to. Most of them have cameras. I was going to say, right now you're looking through, I, I'm, well, you're looking at me through your device. That's true. You, so you that's... are of the body. <laughs> <laughs> you and your Boba Fett hoodie. Yep. Yep. So this is a uh, dungeon set, which was used rather frequently. Nice. Yes. Yeah. I'd reuse it. Yeah, it's good. I'd use it outside of television, but that's not important right now. Like 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 as a practical dungeon or like yeah. for movies. That's what I'm saying, Mike. Okay. <laughs> a lighting panel. So does like the Enterprise just like not have light? Like they actually just have glowing pieces of glass? Was this from the Enterprise? This is from the Archon. I see I think that like whether or not this is technology that the enterprise has i think what they're saying is like this should not be here you know see like he's like it doesn't make sense is mm-hmm. he's like it's consistent with what we've seen you know like the hollow tubes that they, they make a big deal out of and they seem to be amazed by that so it probably is technology which is past human technology definitely. right and definitely well i don't know maybe because they're like, look at, because they're not like when the, the, the tube is used to like shoot someone, like they're not shocked by that. But when Spock picks up the tube, he's like, there's nothing in here. It's literally just a hollow tube. Like, and I get the impression that Spock is like, I don't even know how this technology works. You know, like if there was like a hammer and gunpowder or something, you'd think that he'd be like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But so I get the impression that the the archons or whoever they was it the archons or landrew i get landrew right landrew and his technology because the archons are what landrew made up no the the archons were the last people who came by the planet okay all right so i get the impression that landrew's technology is higher than federation technology or more advanced than federation technology could be could be McCoy looking at his med stuff before he sticks it in people. I love that. Classic McCoy shot. Yeah, and it's weird that there is like an underground. Mm -hmm. Like you'd think they must be really good at bad acting. (laughs) You know, to blend in like that for years. Yeah. I mean, for 6,000 years, eventually you'd think you'd get everybody... They'd all be absorbed, and then they'd immediately get their kids absorbed, and it just... Maybe Landry doesn't notice when people disappear from the body, like he's so obsessed with getting new people. I don't know. But how do people... I mean, I, this may be something that I I missed, you know, in <laughs> in this rewatch. I mean, obviously, I, I haven't picked up on, on much in this episode, but, like, how did they get out of the body to begin with? Or were they never in the right. body? And if they were never in the body, how do they avoid being in the body? Exactly. That's my question. Like, maybe you can just fall out of the body. Maybe yeah. maybe it is kind of like a, something that has to be renewed. Here's my question. What's going on with Scotty's hair? 
I don't know. It looks like like a bad comb over. Yeah, it's like he's got bang. He's like got combed over bangs or something. Yeah, that's why. That's why it looks weird because it's <laughs> bangs. What's he doing? Like he does. He doesn't have that hair anywhere else in this series. You know, <laughs> he's just trying something new this week. That set is just so cheap looking. And but it again, looks cool. It looks oh, like oh, something oh. in like Disney World or something, you know? It's uh-uh. uh, Landrew. There he is. I like Landrew. He looks like uh, Peter McNichol. Uh-huh. Yeah. I kind of. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. They get... Oh, man. When, when Landrew comes to the JJ-verse and Star Trek Excelsior... Uh, they got to get Peter McNichol to play him, right? Yes. But we've already seen that oh, story. we've already seen it. Ah. Uh, and he was a scientist. Oh, well. Because the timelines are different. Yeah. <laughs> I raised my hands in victory. Mike Johnson is I, on my side. I don't agree with you guys, by the way. I know you don't. I don't <laughs> care what you think, because I'm right. Fair enough. <laughs> So Landrew comes through the wall, like projects himself to be like, hey, guys, it's totally cool. I mean, like, I'm not going to force you to do this thing. I mean, I might. I probably will. But like, let me explain what's going on. The good must transcend the evil. And this whole stuff is, you know, obviously, definitely all about, you know, communism and stuff like that, which was obviously really really big in the world at the time in terms of, you know, social issues and stuff. So that's, I mean, that that's, that's cool. <laughs> There's a lot going on in this episode, you know, I, I you just, you just kind of look at it at face value and you're like, there's a guy who built a computer and then he talks the computer to death, and that's great and everything. But this episode has a, a lot of uh, you know social commentary in it yeah. on a lot of different levels, and not just the communism, the the surface level. I mean, there's a surface level plot, and then there's the oh, it's communism, and then it's the oh, it's actually religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kirk, of and, course, is the last to pass out because he's Kirk. Yeah, he's got the strongest will to not be affected by <laughs> loud noises. <laughs> so now they're captured in the same set, but it's a different part of the dungeon. Is it? Oh, I guess it is, huh? Yeah, the beds and tables aren't there. Oh. Well, it's, you know, this this very uh, sort of efficient modular uh, architecture where you've got different rooms which are sort of like multi-purpose. So, like, you put a table in one and it's a dining room and you <laughs> put a, you know... Are you talking about the sets or just the dungeon in the universe? In the universe, right? <laughs> you know, you put a big door on one that doesn't have a, a lock on it or doesn't have a handle on it, and then that's your uh, your prison, you know? They've got one with a hot tub in it, <laughs> you know? There was a... I think it's still around. Up in Indy somewhere, there's a... Uh... A hotel called Fantasy Suites, and like each room is themed to like a different thing. Like there's a space room where we normally stayed when we were, you know, just wanted to get away for the weekend. My parents yeah. and I, and when I was a kid, it had like you know a, a spaceship waterbed, and you know the the walls looked like the surface of the moon and stuff. And uh, they had a dungeon room, but each room had a hot tub, so that that's what reminded me. And yeah. the room looked a lot like this set. Yeah, they show a place like that in uh, in the, the movie Blue Valentine. Yeah, and uh, you know it, it's it's 
it's it's one of those things where like it's supposed to be generic space room but like you look at like all of the futurist futuristic like computer display thingies and it's all very much okudagrams <laughs> like to the point where they could probably get sued you know and i'm sure it was a real place you know interesting <sighs> Now they think they're figuring this out. Yeah. There's a computer. Because the way they reacted when they rebelled? I mean, I've never had my computer get all fussy when I... I'm like, no, computer, I don't want to do that. Because my computer doesn't tell me much to do much. Mine does, you know. Like, you've got to update this program. Yeah, that works. You know? (laughs) poor mccoy yeah but he does seem happy yeah be cool if they had like different colored eyes or something super creepy i mean it really is very similar to like invasion of the body snatchers Mm -hmm. you know which was a few years prior to this but and that was obviously all about communism. Communism was a big deal. Yeah. Now look at him. Ha. <laughs> DeForest is making his paycheck this week. Giving big speeches. Everybody gets something to do. Yeah, except for Uhura. She, she was really on much. screen for she, a second. Yeah, she she did answer the phone at one point. Holding her finger to her ear. Mm-hmm. No check off yet. Yeah, I was but they, gonna they, say they do, they do have yet? that that blonde guy with the blue eyes who I always think is Steve McQueen, but he does look like <laughs> that's incredible. Was he the one who just tried who was trying to shoot Landrew the obvious hollow projection? I think so. He's the guy <laughs> who repeatedly says things like, Why are we doing this? Why don't we just leave? Why are we still here? And Kirk's like, we need to do something. We need stuff to do. So he's Although the, he does uh, make a one point where he's like, they're like, look, there's, you know, crewman O'Neill or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they're like, good, we got him. You know, which is like the whole point why we came down here. And he's like, so let's just leave now? And Kirk's like, no, I still don't know what's going on. <laughs> to, Can to you me, figure it like, out from space? Yeah, it's like, do we really care what's going on? Should we just get out of here? Although, you know, who knows if O'Neill and Sulu would still be affected. Well, and you now know. they've got the, uh, the, you know, the ship's in danger too. So Kirk can't leave until he turns off those heat beams. Mm-hmm. And now we have this guy who's amazing because, um, well, he's cool in general, but also he pronounces every word differently from everyone else. <laughs> like everyone says communing. Right. And then he's like, like, even this guy, he's like happy communing. And then he goes happy communing. Hmm. And there's maybe he was the one who was just like, so this is communism parallel. So I should pronounce it. Communing. Damn. See, like, I didn't even pick up on that. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. See, see, this is, this is what happens uh, when (laughs) you binge watch Star Trek at the age of 13. Um, but yeah. Oh, here he goes again, complaining about (laughs) the Steve McQueen looking guy complaining about why can't we just do this? He's like the Mm -hmm. audience surrogate. Yeah, he's like they're just come on, they're like simple, you know, they're easy to and 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 Spock's like they have technology which is beyond our own. Do you not see that? Are you not freaked out by this? No. I mean, te- theoretically, he's a red shirt. He's been through this stuff before. Yeah. He's a red shirt who survived. He's a super red shirt. 
those hooded costume things are rather terrifying. If I saw someone walk in with one of those, I'd be freaked out. (laughs) And this is just mean. This bit where Kirk's just like, hey, I'm of the body. There's nobody else around. There's nobody else around. Maybe he's practicing, right? I Okay, I guess they do need to practice. We've established that already. Spock is sad. It is a good it is a good ending to that. Yeah. To that act, it's so. cheap. It's it's a very sort of serial cliffhanger thing. You yeah. Know? Same Kirk time, same Kirk channel. My grandpa would always complain about that. Talk about how they'd go to the serials and there'd be Flash Gordon and it's like Flash Gordon like literally blows up. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then in the next episode, you know, next week they come back and right before he blows up, you see him like jump off to the side and he's like, that's not, they did not do that last week. They are cheating. Yeah. Oh. I've heard about the, uh, the Batman serials. Yeah. From the forties yeah. where that happens. Like, you know, Bruce Wayne's like handcuffed to the seat, you know, to the car steering wheel, and they show him in like an unbroken shot going over the edge of the cliff. And then in the next episode, they're like, "Ha!" You know, see, he actually picked the lock and jumped off the side of it, just off the edge of the camera where your camera couldn't see it. It's like, but we saw him in the car. I need to see those. Uh, you know, I, I've never, uh, I've never watched them, but you know, you can get them for like three dollars at walgreens you know mm-hmm. and uh i don't know i mean I, the, the the production design and everything it's like so cheap but that's like the first on-screen batman yeah you know you can get them on riff tracks oh pre, yeah pre-made fun of i saw a clip one time where it had like a batman climbing up a wall and like i guess because he's kind of like whatever it does sort of some sort of acrobatic thing it's it's a you see batman's pack of cigarettes fall out of his back (laughs) pocket (laughs) you know and that's probably in in character yeah probably it's the 40s who cared there's nobody else there why is kirk still i guess he's just practicing he's got his hand over his heart like most of the Maybe he's pledging allegiance. Oh, that's true. Oh, because Bones Bones is still spying on them. Yeah, yeah, they're being all, you know. So if Bones can see them, and so Lander can see them, but Lander can't see through them, how how can there be an underground? Yeah, because... Camera one, camera two. Where's camera Landry, two? Right. Landrew's like, what's going on? You know? <laughs> How come I can't see through them? Yeah. No, that's a good point. Huh. Well. We owned you, 50-year-old television show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this is this is good episode, though. No, it is. I mean, it yeah. does... They There's a lot of talking, but but it all has to do with the idea of having uh this society this perfect society i always saw it not even as as a as a disruption of communism but like uh, having a perfect society and forcing people to do things even if they act happy doesn't make them happy yeah yeah that's true too yeah i'm going to talk this computer to death that's what Kirk's just come up with. And nature's, you know, and then we get a lovely excuse of why the prime director doesn't apply in this situation. Back when they pretended to care about the prime directive. Mm-hmm. Prime directive is a good, is a good, is a good, is a good idea. But most of the time that drama is coming from them not following it. But isn't this the first time that they use the prime director? I think it might be. So yeah. it's 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 immediately in a throwaway line. Like, wouldn't the prime directive apply here? Nope. 
run away. I think I think I read that uh, Gene Kuhn put it in there during like a polish, and you know, um, but he also you know put in that that thing where it's like the society is not working. So, or you know, it's not growing. It's not a growing society. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the prime directive does not apply. Though it does seem strange, like you would think, like the prime directive. For one thing, you'd think that that would be something which was built into the show Bible, yeah. Because it is. I mean, maybe, maybe at the time it wasn't, and, and you know, maybe Roddenberry or whoever saw it and was like, "This is the thing that we need to make a big deal." But just given its place in Star Trek's history you would think that it would be built into the show from the beginning. And you would also think that like the first time that it's dealt with, it's in like an episode, which is fully dedicated to that concept, Mm -hmm. you know, but that never happened. I like that. Uh, when the lawgivers came in, uh, after McCoy threw the alarm, uh, Kirk chops his in the arm and he immediately falls over. And, but, Shatner tries to get like a chop at the neck as the guy's falling, but misses. It's like, no, you weren't supposed to fall yet. I missed. Uh. Yeah. How did this underground last? These people immediately panicked as soon as somebody like punched a lawgiver. They're like, oh, he's no big deal. And then they're like, oh, crap, he's a huge deal. Well, I mean, here's oh, here's Uhura's big scene, by the way. But you know, you I, I do like the sorry. <laughs> I, I I do like uh, Marplon's, you know, kind of like his reaction right here, which is just like he's freaking out, not because of like what's happening right now, but because he's like, damn, like we completely messed up. Like going back, like probably generations before, you know, he was even born. He's just like freaking out over the fact that like his society is dead, you know? I mean that like that's really how he's break what what he's, you know, concerned with there and I think that that's kind of like a cool moment where he's just like, "Oh god." You know, like this is really sort of like making him deal with that head on and I don't know. It's it's a nice little moment. But I like the uh the mix of myth and fact that they have about landrew yeah like they 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 know that they were a culture destroying itself and landrew came oh this this is where he does it right here yeah anyway okay so they and they learned that landrew came and uh brought peace but then like it melds into legend that you know he still lives and is still watching us yeah yeah which is kind of where it goes, bends from communism to the religion aspect. Yeah, I mean, they're they're trying to make the facts fit inside the, the myth, mm-hmm. in a sense, you know? I mean, as minimal as these sets are, I think that they're pretty good for this episode, given the constraints. Yeah, the, and no, this this and, in, and in I, particular, the the Landrew antechamber. Yeah, and I do like how they're not just one thing. I mean, like even though, like let's say, the costumes are colonial America, that's not necessarily what the production design yeah, once is. Once you get inside, because why would it be? It's it's. It's not like it's mimicking, you know, they, they didn't, like, find a book on, you know, Paul Revere <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, it's... timely. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it. I, I, I do like that that's kind of cool, how, how it's a, a, a mishmash of things in order to create this other society. There's all kinds of... Uh different mixtures of media here we've got a uh, stucco landers projecting himself against a nice stucco wall here <laughs> like a pueblo that's not good for projection you want something that's like a very smooth surface mm-hmm. you know with with like a decent amount of uh you know gain to it but not so much that you're going to be washing out, you know, the black levels. Uh, it's, you know, 
should it be reflective in some case? You want to try to minimize the reflection as much as possible because then you create hot spots. Oh. And uh when you're you're watching it, like basically you can actually like as you move like across the room, you will see like a almost like a spotlight effect like in a specific mm-hmm. place. So you want to try to avoid that as much as possible. That's why silver screens are not super popular and are only present in places which use uh, um, a po- polarized 3D because the silver maintains the polarization of the light. Oh. But like for, for things like Dolby 3D, which has some sort of weird waveform thing, you can actually do it with a white screen, which is very beneficial. Hmm. So, yeah. It's your cinematic lesson for the week there you go and there is the one and only yeah he's just an old computer with four buttons (laughs) which is pretty advanced i mean what the uh the iphone only has four buttons right it's a very true statement that's all you need So which one which one activates Landrew's Siri? <laughs> I have to turn off my thing because yesterday while recording commentary Trek Stars with with John, four times in the course of the episode, my phone turned itself on and was trying to figure out what I was asking Siri. So you'd accidentally said something similar to Hey Siri? That's impressive. I guess so. Four times, though? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess... I mean, you were talking about Simon Pegg. Kind of sounds like Siri. Not Maybe. at all. <laughs> oh, well. I do like the zigzaggy light thing. Yeah. That's my new favorite part now. Especially since, like... You don't even need like a zigzaggy light bulb behind it, right? Like it's just like a transparency. Yeah. And then you just have a light just go down <laughs> and you can only see it through the zigzaggy um, transparent part. I, I, I love that. I can't. You know yeah, I know what you're saying, but it's just, it's weird that it's impressive how effective that is. Yeah. And then they speed it up. Look right here. Oh my God, it's going faster. <laughs> You know, it's interesting, like Spock's hair is iconic. You know, there's only one Spock haircut and everything like that. The other day I was watching Into Darkness and, you know, Spock's haircut is designed for a close-up like this. Mm -hmm. Um, But like in watching Into Darkness, there are a couple shots at just the right angle with Zachary Quinto where he's got the haircut and he's running. Mm -hmm. And the effect is really interesting because his sideburns start flapping like a like a dog with really floppy <laughs> ears or something like that. Next time you watch Into Darkness, look for uh, that. I knew there was something weird about his hair when he was running. I just didn't put it to that. Doesn't quite have the effect they were going for. So this is it. This is the first time that uh, Kirk talks a computer to death, right? Yeah, I think so. And then these guys come in. I like how terrified they are. Yeah, they're like, oh, crap. I don't know what to do. Kirk's just like, whatever, I got this. And and so this is about, like, now we're, we're getting the moral of the story. Like, creativity is, you know, free thought. That's what life is about. It's not just about yeah. being happy. It's about being free. America. Yeah. <laughs> right. Free thought, you know, and and uh, and the ability to grow, the ability to, you know, um, actually have society progress to something more than it is now, you mm-hmm. know. And, I mean, going back to the religious thing, I think, you know, what the commentary there is is, like, you know, if you're so focused on following the rules of, you know, something that was written 2,000 years ago, 
that you're going to be limiting the amount of stuff that you can do in the future. You know, sooner or later, those rules are going to conflict with, you know, progress. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's we're, we're seeing that right now with the whole, uh, you know, Starbucks red uh, cups. <laughs> no, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking marriage equality, oh, but yeah, you know, whatever. Works, yeah, Same thing, too. I guess, right? You know. <laughs> if I were you, I'd start looking for another job. Kirk says. Yep, I know. He's like so. I mean, like it's they're like, probably like, what does that even I mean? Win. Like it's like I, I we don't even have money, probably, probably right? <laughs> like another job. What's a job, <laughs> you know? And there's Sulu with this thing where he's like, hey, hey, yeah, I'm good. Let me sit back down in my chair. You're relieved. <laughs> Beta 3. Terrible planet name. Beta 3? Yeah. Yeah. In Star System. Sigma C11. Alpha. You know, C come on. Let's, let's give a couple of them yeah. together. Yeah. I do like how even though he is very sort of like nonchalant about it, like whatever guys, you're all good. Like he does send someone down yeah. there to be like, here, let me kind of sort of point you in, you know, let me show you your options <laughs> now that you need to create a society. Freedom. You, you know? need to you need to do more than just make bricks to throw at people yeah. one time a year. This is what a job is, you know, <laughs> that thing that he said you were going to need. <laughs> yeah and we even not only do we get the fact that you know like kirk's like ah, i'll leave some people behind we get a report from those people mm -hmm. like it's almost its own sequel yep yep and that's only in the first few hours right yeah you know people have already started bitching and complaining about things <laughs> It would be interesting if they were to go back there and just see like what it was like, and it was oh like they wiped red each other hour. out. They wiped each red other hour out. on a you know hourly basis. You know, uh, it's it's that always red hour somewhere in the world. Itself. Yeah, and this was one of the uh, original like set of story ideas that yeah. Roddenberry pitched for the for the show, which is kind of cool. Oh, Star Trek. Yeah. I was the first lawgiver in that episode. None of the other ones are labeled, but first lawgiver, he wins. <laughs> Sid Haig is the first lawgiver. <laughs> okay, Sid Haig. Do you, do, you, do you know who Sid Haig is? No, teach me. He is a horror, occult horror movie icon. Really? Who is in a ton of weird movies, including, well, I guess he's kind of best known now for like um, Rob Zombie movies like The Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses. But he's also uh, shown up in a number of Tarantino things, including uh, Jackie Brown and Kill Bill Volume 2. In Kill Bill Volume 2, he's the, the bartender at the uh at the strip club at the strip you know? club that the what's his name works at yeah where he comes in he's like bud yeah you're late again you know <laughs> he's like go go you know and then like you know he's like you know what's his name wants to see you you know yeah that guy oh well cool he's the, he's the first lawgiver crazy crazy wonder, wonder what that does to your star trek tarantino theory the shared universe thing? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I have to look into it. Well, that was... I mean, it's a good episode. Uh, yeah. I guess we should kind of break it down. You... It's a completely different episode now that you pointed that out halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to watch it again and then do another commentary on yeah. it, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just interesting because, I mean, you, you, you do hear about you know that all the time you know Roddenberry talking about it and you know people talking about how that is built into the show and everything and you know there are some specific instances for sure which you can point to but this one is just like super blatant and I, I've never noticed it yeah it's super obvious now but it's not 
Yeah. And all the listeners are like, of course, it's super obvious. You know, how how did it take you guys this long to figure this out? You know, but <laughs> sorry, guys. You know, that's why we're getting new hosts in here. Yeah, I'm sure if Norman Jeffer to watch this episode, they would have uh, been, you know, right on top of that. But Jeff's already wrote a book about it. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well, it was fun talking about Landry today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. I don't know if I'd watch it again, but if you haven't seen it, I would suggest you... I mean, you kind of have to. Like you said to me, you kind of have to. If you're going to be an original series fan, you've got to watch all the uh, original series crew doing stuff. The Ready Room. Here's one more thing I want to throw out here for you guys. Recasting this episode, because I know you guys like to do this on To the Journey with things, with Mm -hmm. series and such. I think that Ma'ab should be played by Will Ferrell. (laughs) (laughs) To the Journey! Bravo to the holodeck. Bravo to the holodeck. Bravo to science! Yes, for coming to the truth. Commentary, Trek stars. If they came out and they were like, Damon Lindelof is working on the show. I, it would be like jets and sharks in the streets. <laughs> that 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 heart on Twitter would burst into flames like it was being held by Molaram or something, you know? <laughs> the 602 Club. So what we have here is an origin trilogy. And I think that's what's so brilliant about Skyfall, is that by the time you get to the end of Skyfall... You have put Bond back exactly where he belongs, but you've also made him new and modern. And it's an incredible trick to pull off. Literary tricks. It definitely starts in a very dark place and it doesn't get much brighter at all. Uh, you know, until we until we get to the end and, and, you know, there's some hope there. But yeah, definitely it's it's a dark book. Women at Warp. Basically, they're overturned by Riker being sexy. (laughs) Uh. Well, to be fair, Riker's sexiness has been used to save the day on numerous occasions. Meta Trex. That would have just been a grand moment if, uh, you know, George Takei would have played Tuvix, you know, and, and when the transporter accident happens, he's standing there in those colorful clothes and just says, oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. Visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. We have an email here from Christopher in Florida. Hello, Drew and Mike. I recently learned that two of my favorite hosts were leaving Standard Orbit. I listened to nearly every episode of the podcast. I enjoyed your in-depth analysis of TOS. This is my favorite part of anything. Most of all, I will miss your unique, slow-paced style of podcasting, which rarely had overlapping dialogue. The effect of hearing Standard Orbit was like reading a good book after having a stressful day. Which is amazing. Thank you, Mike and Drew, for producing and hosting a great program for Trek fans. I'm eager to hear Standard Orbit's new direction, but you will be missed. Here's one last question regarding the original series. Many episodes, at least three, were about creepy children. At first, specifically to the episodes and the children shall lead Charlie X and Miri. Was this theme inspired from a single writer, or was it coincidentally written by various individuals? Your fan always, Christopher. Well, thanks, Christopher. You know, I mean... I. I, uh, I'm glad that you appreciate our style because usually when I listen to us and then I hear like Earl Grey or something like that, I think, boy, we're really slow and boring. I think the same thing. Uh, that's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because like, I guess people have different uh, responses to, to things where, you know, it's calm and soothing to Christopher, like, I think of it as sort of like, this is going to put me to sleep, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, what soothes one puts another to sleep, sure. I guess so. I guess so, yeah. But anyway, I'm I'm glad that someone does appreciate that style. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. As far as those episodes are concerned, they are all written by three different people. Um, but 
I don't know. You know, I mean, like where you've got like a showrunner or whoever, even though well, he wasn't the showrunner in season three, but it is a series created by Gene Roddenberry. I don't know if it was coincidence or if that has to do with Gene Roddenberry's view of children, you know? Poor Rod. <laughs> well, I think this was before Rod. It right? was. It was. Okay. <laughs> but no, that, that was my that was my thought that children are just naturally creepy. I mean, I... <laughs> I can watch a lot of movies, but I don't like movies where kids are in peril or there are dead kids. Like The Shining, I don't want to. I don't want to watch The Shining because it has both, and I don't. I don't. I don't like that. Dead kids are scary. Is is the thing? I yeah. got through Sixth Sense somehow, but well, he's not dead. Yeah, but there were dead kids in it. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Have you? So you haven't seen The Shining? No. Oh. I should have went and saw it there. was having it at the drive-thru or the drive-in. And See, I'd be scared to see The Shining at the drive-in because have you ever seen Twister? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Now I remember we've had this conversation. Have we? (laughs) I don't know, but yeah. (laughs) I've had that pointed out before. The Twister is showing The Shining and when the big hurricane comes and knocks over Grandma's house. Yeah, yeah. Tornado. What did I say? Hurricane. Well, it's timely. Whatever. I'm trying to make everything timely. (laughs) It's not going very well. Uh, If you want to send a timely email, you can uh, send your thoughts by going to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use a tab in the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Well, you can find me right here on Trek FM doing commentary, Trek Stars. Uh, right now we're covering Simon Pegg and uh, in the episode that just dropped on Friday, we're talking about uh, the first movie that Pegg wrote, which is Shaun of the Dead. And you can also find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com doing Commentary Trackstar Babies. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-U-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and on the Babel Conference and various other places around the internet. So before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I have a book which is called uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. I've never heard of it. (laughs) It's written by Alan Dean Foster and narrated by Alice Eve. If uh, For those other people who are not familiar with it, uh, the publisher's summary reads, The official movie tie-in novelization to the highly anticipated sequel to 2009's blockbuster feature film Star Trek. Pioneering director J.J. Abrams has delivered an explosive action thriller that takes Star Trek into darkness when the crew of the enterprise is called back home they find an unstoppable force of terror from within their own organization has detonated the fleet and everything it stands for leaving the world in a state of crisis with a personal score to settle captain kirk leads a manhunt to a war zone world to capture a one-man weapon of mass destruction as our heroes are propelled into an epic chess game of life and death love will be challenged Friendships will be torn apart, and sacrifices must be made for the only family Kirk has left, his crew. And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on those classic books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. We'd also like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. and Renee Roberts for being our associate producers this week by supporting us on Patreon. You can find Richard on Twitter at RUT8972 and Renee at MRES underscore 1701. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. 
And if you want to help them keep us in orbit, you can go to patreon.com slash trek.fm. You'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as associate producer like Renee and Richard. Chris just did like a video, uh, a really cool video showing uh, patron.zone, the, the site that he created for all the wallpapers and early episode access, and uh, like previews of new shows like Metatrex premiered there like a week before we even announced that there was going to be a new show. Yeah. Uh, all kinds of unique uh, and cool stuff in there. Ringtones, yeah. like the other side of the room and all those, those great uh, catchphrases from ready room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's lots of stuff on there. And uh, there's, I think going to be more to, to come. I, you know, I mean, there's, there's uh, other perks and everything like that. The, 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 uh, round table the patrons round table is is a very popular thing and uh, i believe the the um the donation level at which you can participate in that is being reduced and they're going to be um expanding it and everything wow and it should be cool yeah so get in and, on that yeah and all that money goes toward uh the cost of hosting and distribution which is really expensive because we host with the best yeah and because people keep on listening, if so many people didn't listen, then it wouldn't, you know. I know it wouldn't cost so much have, money if people didn't to, download everything all the time. I think I think we should just have less listeners. I think that would make everything simpler. Or right? less shows. Yeah, that too. If we just let's, had one show leave. with one listener, we could probably do it for free. Probably, yeah, yeah. But no, right. we have to have all this quality content, all mm. this super popular fans, and mm. be included as you know one of the premier networks on iTunes and. We should do our part and uh, stop making this show. That's right. Yeah. That, that's what we're going to do to reduce the budget. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, you can go to patreon.com slash trek.fm to check out uh, everything that we have available. Well, next week, we've got another special guest. Tell us about this special guest. You've already, you've already spoken to him before. We have spoken to him before. Uh, his name is Ben Robinson, and uh, he's got a, a, a long history with Star Trek, going back to uh, working on the, the Star Trek magazine back in the day, and I think even before that. And now he's probably best known to Star Trek fans as the guy responsible for the Eagle Moss uh, Starship collections. Oh, cool. Yeah, he he's the guy who basically runs that and does the magazines and everything like that. And he has um, a, a very, very uh, uh, dense knowledge of Star Trek history, you know, go, through interviews and everything that he's done, you know, in the magazines and whatnot. And one of his passions is the history of Star Trek Phase 2. And he's going to come on and tell us a whole bunch of stuff about Phase 2, which we don't know. Cool. Yeah, it's exciting. It fits in with our post-TOS Dark Times theme that we've been going for for the last few episodes. So Exactly, yeah. So it should be cool. That will be cool. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for listening this week. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew. Mr. Chekhov. Take us out of orbit ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.